Welcome, folks, to the Goose Gossip Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Gerke. This podcast is brought to you by the following. Rolling Thunder Game Calls, Premium Waterfowl and Turkey Calls, Building Them One at a Time, Every Time. Mallard Bay, Plan Trips, Buy Gear, Go Experience. Guide Tech, Streamline Your Outfit or Charter. K2 Coolers, Real Value, Real Cold. This podcast is not strictly about goose hunting. I have well-rounded people on talking about great adventures they have been on in their life. Sit back and enjoy this episode. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Goose Gossip Podcast. And the guest speakers on the phone today, we actually have father and son, Colton and Jeff Cowell. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And you guys are in a little bit better of a state, my dream state, Colorado. And how's the weather over there today? Oh, we're not going to lie. It's a lot cooler than probably down south. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not It's not cold here by any means, but at least it's dry, not humid. Yeah. I mean, Colorado has a lot. I mean, you guys' weather during the summer, does it get pretty hot over there? Well, you know, it does. It's it's funny, though. You always hear these people and they're like, oh, yeah, but it's a real dry, hot. Well, I'm here to tell you, it was 90 today. It was stinking hot. <laughs> I mean, 90 is still hot. I don't care if it's dry or humid. It's still hot, right? It don't matter the temp. I mean, the humidity. I don't know. Guys always try to throw that humidity joke in there. And I, I, I mean, 90 degrees is 90 degrees. Now, cold wise, humidity kind of has a factor in it, in my opinion. It does. This is true. Sure. This is true. So you guys run Front Range Guide Service. And how long has that been? been going on i guess like jeff or colton you guys can start off of like the history of you know why you guys started it and things of that nature absolutely absolutely so we'll be going you know on 16 years now of of having front range guide service i i guided for years for for another guide service here on the front range i started years ago like most guide services in colorado i started with old mark bean with stillwater back in the day when i was about 16 so guided for him for years and then um you know, it, it just kind of got to the point as I got older and I'm like, you know, I really, I really kind of want my own business. A lot of the, you know, some of the farms that we had acquired over the years were farmers that I knew and, and grew up around. And, and um, so, you know, those were farms that we had um, that I'd been hunting for years, you know, and it was kind of, it's kind of one of those deals. that's like, you know, you want to, Eventually you're like, you know, it's great working for somebody and I have absolutely no problems working for him, but you know, you get to the point and it's like, I just really want my own business and I, I want to have my own deal. And so we started that. And then of course now Colton is, is coming up. He's, he's getting older every year. And, and of course I'd, I'd love to at some point just turn it over to him and hand him the reins and I'm getting old. He says I'm way too old to be <laughs> Levi, you would love this, but guess what I call him now? I call him Peep because you know he's getting up there in age. Peep, he turns fifty. 
this year. He, he barely can get in and out of the goose pit. Oh, come on. I'm just kidding. You, you, you seem just fine getting in and out of the pit the, the one morning I got to hunt with you. Well, that's, that's yeah. I mean, six out of there it, it hurts a little more every year but i can still pull it off hey even at 25 for me i it, it's not easy getting in and out of pit blinds i don't care how old or how young you are it, it sucks <laughs> that's it's right. a lot easier when you just shoot into a big flock of mallards or lesser canvas so i promise you that yeah adrenaline kind of kicks in and you're like wait how did i just get out of this pit <laughs> it is hard to get in and out of them but it sure is a lot more comfortable than laying in a layout blind and having birds behind you and you can't shoot them you just go turn around boys we're gonna shoot them in the back (laughs) and you don't have to stuff a blind every morning you you, you pull in and you just adjust the decoys how you want them to be coming in there you go there you go heck 16 years i mean that's that's an achievement in itself like i mean in the 16 years that you've been involved running your own guide service, you spoke that you have been guiding in previous years before the 16, the 16 mm-hmm. years. I mean, how has that been for yourself? I mean, it's got to be like you've seen a lot and done a lot. What's some of the the greatest failures and the greatest achievements you've done in the 16 years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny. You start learning more each year. Obviously, that's that's always pretty a common deal. You know, you're going to you're going to learn more and more with the business each year. We're learning what to do and what not to do, I think. And probably the biggest ones are learning what not to do, you know, and and, you know, there's even with farms that we've leased, you know, over the years. And it's like, you know, some years it's 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 crazy, man. It is. A, it's a wild evolution of that deal where you lease a farm one year and you shoot five geese off of that thing. And the next year it's like you're, you're the hottest hole you got, you know, it just depends upon crop rotation. It depends upon where the birds go. Also not to mention, you know, flyways have changed too as well. Not mm-hmm. to mention 20, 30 years ago. And even, you know, just a little bit longer than that, we didn't even have geese in the state of Colorado. They're actually introduced here by biologists just to see how they would do. Um, and over time, it's just brought geese further and further west and eventually to the point to where we have this huge wintering pop- population of canned geese now here. So that's kind of been a cool evolution. I'm sure that you've seen it seems like it's every other couple of years is like, man, this is the most geese I've ever seen here in my whole entire life living here this whole, you know, 55 years of life. But it seems like there's more and more every year. Would you say so too I, as well? I would say so. Yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. Definitely. We're in the good old days right now here in the front range of Colorado. We're very fortunate. <laughs> that is true. I mean, the, the saying, the good old days, like people get that misconcepted. Like you need to look at it like you are living in the old days. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to start soaking it up. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. You know, and our like Colton said, you know, our goose population, they we didn't have any resident Canada geese. This was Colorado years and years ago. It used to be a flyover state. Birds would travel right through here and go down to the Panhandle, Texas. Even a lot of the little Canadas would go all the way down. They would go all the way clear down on the Gulf Coast of Texas. And every year we start short stopping more and more and more of those birds every year here to where, you know, back in the day, the lessers would never stop here. And, and now we have lots of them. We have... We have all three. We Levi, we call them the littles, the mediums, the garden variety medium, which we hate, yep. and then the pigs, which are 
in my opinion, are about as smart as a blue wing teal. Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> we giggle really, really loudly whenever we see those jokers come down. <laughs> so now what, what made the change? And I know Colton, you said that, that, that the geese were never like really physically there. They weren't like ever like, like purposely ever put there, but like, how did the biologists create um, basically an infrastructure? Well, I guess, you know, a wildlife for these geese to habitat there, you know, like live and breed there. Yeah, there was years ago. This was actually back in the 50s. There was a guy by the name of uh, Gurney Crawford, and he actually started with, believe it or not, in Fort Collins, I think with, if I remember now, I'm, I may be not a hundred percent on this, but from what I've heard, he started with nine Canada goose eggs and they hatched those out and they released those there in city park, Fort Collins up there. And that, you know, that resident population started to grow. It just continued to grow exponentially. You know, every single year it got more and more birds as these, these resident geese, of course, that we all know the big Canada goose, they love town, right? They yeah. love Oh, and we're rapidly becoming the largest refuge inside city limits in the in the lower 50 i think you know here but it but that population grew and grew and grew and as that population grew then it started to stop the migrant geese that used to fly over here and not stop here and you know in colorado it's people are like colorado they don't understand that on this front range it's such a water rich agricultural rich area that is very appealing to the geese and is, and our weather is, you know, is, is honestly can be fairly mild through the year. So, you know, that resident population went from, like I said, back when I started back in the fifties, I think with nine, nine Canada goose eggs. Now, I honestly don't know for sure what they say our resident population. Now I've heard rumor is, is that they say we're, you know, and I know it's somewhere between 20 to 50,000 resident geese. And at peak migration, we can hit a quarter of a million to upwards of maybe even 450,000 geese here on this called 60 mile stretch along the front range. As you guys speak about this history, it makes me even look back on the, the hunt that I came great or like, you know, very God blessed to come and, and hunt with y'all and experience a, a bucket list hunt for myself and hearing even just this short, like 10 minutes of like the history, it makes me even enjoy the the time that I had there more because I never even knew any of it, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, it's cool knowing that you're hunting in a place that never used to have birds, like specifically, you know, and now to lesser come and see, candles. yeah, lesser candas, and now to come and see like you did this past fall with us and experience how many geese we have here, that's kind of impressive just to see what it's grown into. So is there... You guys do see like a positive numbers of geese and ducks, like it, it, the numbers just keep going up or it's not, it's not like a, it's not a, like a big amount that's like noticeable. With the geese, it is. It it's, is. I think, I, I think the geese is, is noticeable. You're, and the other thing too, the snow geese too the as well. Snow geese. I mean, yeah. we have, you know, that Western movement of the mid-continent snow goose flock has continued to go farther and farther west each and every year. We shoot more snow geese, you know, back in the day when I, you know, even when I was guiding before I started my business, you'd never shoot a snow goose here. I, I know we had several hunts. Colton had one day where they shot 
dark geese and shot how many 20 lights or something i don't know oh <laughs> uh, yeah one day guiding we had almost 30 we had 26 snow geese and 30 candas and then we had another day that we got to you know have off close to thanksgiving where we were fun hunting we ended up shooting 50 snow geese and 30 candidas so it's kind of cool to see the snow geese population shifting further and further west i don't know if it's necessarily a good thing for us right, right. just because of the be hard to hunt but at times and early in the fall if they have a good popular or good hatch of you know young geese like they did this past fall it can be a lot of fun to chase them yeah i mean it it opened a a secondary opportunity for you guys to give an option to customers that have been coming to to y'all for you know an expanded expanded amount of time and that's fun to them you know like oh now i can go shoot snow geese for the front range it's like what where'd this come from Right. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, we don't really know where that's going to go. I mean, we've <laughs> joked that, you know, there's at some point there's going to be as many white geese coming through here in the spring as, as there is out in Nebraska. And I don't know, you know, with, with that Western movement of the snows coming this way, but the one thing that has happened to us, honestly, is that we have lost a lot of our ducks. I mean, from when I was a kid, we had a lot more ducks here on the front range. And it, it seems as though our ducks are slowly shifting farther east into Nebraska, Kansas, you know, Oklahoma, that, that flyway. We still have ducks and we can still have some really good duck hunting and, and even some really exceptional late season field duck hunting. But we don't have the numbers of ducks that we used to, but we have, I think lots more geese now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, w- I want to dive in a little bit. Cause I know you guys have quite a few. What I mean by quite a few is I don't know the exact number and that'll be a question, but like you guys have plentiful amount of pit blinds and like how, how did, how long did it get to the, get to the point of the, the max number that you guys have now? Was it like several years or was it like just a lot of hard work during the summer? I mean, you guys is off season, you know, you're fixing pit blinds and things of that nature, just like people are fixing permanent blinds that are above ground. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we've, our, our, uh, the number of pits that we're putting in is, is obviously way more now than it was 16 years ago when we started the business, you know, that, that slowly grows, but, um, a lot of these farms are, are farms that we, uh, you know, we'll do multiple year leases on. So I've got, you know, I, I know that that's something that we can count on. And But we do pick up some new ones. We picked up several new farms last year um, from, you know, a couple of them from farmers that uh, we've worked with traditionally over the years. And they actually started farming some new ground. And so they opened up some new doors for us as well as, um, we had some farmers that actually contacted us and, and actually wanted us to lease their ground just because of the fact that um, of the reputation that we've gained with our farmers and our, um, you know, as you know, that uh, that landowner relationship, that's a big thing, Levi. That's that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people take for granted and, and we don't, we really try not to do that. We not only build a relationship with our farmers, but, you know, we even spend time with them in the summer. No. Right. And that, that's a big factor if you're going to start a guide service. I mean, farmers are the reason that you're going to make a bigger dollar or get a better experience for customers that are coming in. So people, like you said, mistreat, you know, that aspect like, yeah, getting big numbers of birds in a feed or finding the biggest feed is 
you know, sometimes number one in your head, but at the same time, after you get that, you guys still keep that relationship, especially in, in y'all's world where it's like, you know, you, you guys are going in their field multiple or multiple scenarios or multiple times out of the year. And you need to keep that situation or that happiness with them throughout the whole year. hundred percent. One thing that you probably noticed hunting year too, we have a lot of urbanized hunting and by urbanized. I mean like hunting amongst neighborhoods or, you know, with inside city limits and we get permits to hunt inside city limits in certain places, but kind of interesting because we do lose a lot of farms to neighborhoods or just development period every year. And it seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent that we lose a farmer to, to a neighborhood or development. But like my dad had mentioned before, we're becoming almost the biggest population with inside city limits of Canada geese that you have, you know, in the lower 48. And what we mean by that is by places that are annexed or places within certain cities that don't allow hunting to where a lot of these geese, especially our local population, there's a population of Canada geese. And I can say this from living in Fort Collins that, you know, I don't know if it's between a thousand or 5,000 geese, but they'll never get hunted all year. They're just residents of Fort Collins that stay inside town and they never leave and they won't see a decoy all year. So you kind of have that aspect too as well. And yeah. they had to, they had to fly so far. That's what I noticed. I mean, <laughs> the first morning that I hunted with, with you, Colton, I was like, you know, I just had high expectations because you guys hold a high standard for yourself and I just believed in y'all and I'm sitting there and you know, the sun keeps coming up and I'm like, Hey, it's a new area. You know, like maybe the geese don't get up till later. And that's what Colton is saying. And then once they all started getting up, it was like a light switch. It was like, I mean, everywhere you looked, it was, it was geese and that, <laughs> that will always be embedded in my head and with the front range sitting right there. I mean, you can't, you can't get wrong with good views and good entertainment when the geese come in. Like it, it just doesn't get any better. No, we're, we're very fortunate. You know, a lot of guys, even in the goose industry, I know a lot of guys over the years, you know, Fred Zink had, had hunted here and, and I had, you know, been around him. And of course, Jeff Boyles and all these guys over the years, a lot of different big names, Tim Grounds, everybody before he passed and um, had hunted here and all of them, all of them had said, you guys have no idea how fortunate you are. No. <laughs> and I'm like, I, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we definitely do take it for granted waking up in the morning and shooting a flock of geese with, you know, the Rocky Mountains in the background. So it definitely, it definitely gets to the point where, you know, you live here long enough, you do take it for granted to some point, but it's cool seeing people that come from out of state that come and hunt with us every year that have never seen the Rocky Mountains. They get to see it for the first time in the morning in the pit. So yeah. that's always cool too. It's well. cool. I, I do want to jump on the factory. You were talking, you know, in the scenario where, you know, you're maybe just outside of urban or you're right in a neighborhood. That was another thing that caught me off guard. And I was kind of weary about because I'd just never been in that scenario. And it just seemed like it didn't affect the birds at all. And like these birds, when they're, when they're coming off, where, where is the bad for them? Do they have flight lines that they live on year in and year out? Or does weather and everything kind of push these flight lines in different areas? That's a, that's a great question. So even though we are an urbanized area, we do have a big population of people, which also brings a big population of hunters. So pretty much every field that you can see or that can be leased for hunting around us is leased for waterfowl hunting, which brings a lot of pressure to the area. 
on top of the fact that we have 13 guide services in a 30 mile radius of us. So there's a lot of competition in the area, a lot of people guiding, a lot of people fun hunting too as well. So the birds tend to create a flight line that they do feel safe on. You know, we have these huge bodies of reservoir. Well, not huge compared to like down South or like the water y'all have down, but we have bodies of reservoirs that hold or retain water and they can never be hunted just because they're publicly or privately owned. So that's kind of nice in the sense that they don't get hunted on the roost ever around here, but in every field in or around the roost, they, they get hunted. That's one thing I think that does make our hunting so good, Levi, is that with those areas that are inside city limits that are unhuntable, those birds do have a safe haven. And But the thing is, is that they do still travel outside of that. But the biggest thing really in reality is always um, with geese, for especially, you can hunt them where they eat breakfast and where they eat dinner. But if you hunt them where they sleep, they'll eat. Mm-hmm. No doubt. The thing about here is very, very few locations where our birds roost are they ever hunted. I mean, very few as an overall whole. The birds are not hunted where they sleep. And that in itself makes our hunting fantastic because those birds have that safe haven where they can go back in there and they can roost and they don't get shot at and they don't get pestered you know what i mean yeah they can stop and just act like a goose for a little bit and then by the time that they're hungry again they're not as weary it sucks for a goose that you know they're survivalists and a a buddy of mine told me that i I was like i was just blown away that i never thought of it like a a goose has to survive just like a you know any other human or any other animal out in the uh, out in the wild but especially geese and ducks and everything waterfowl i mean they're getting pressured when they eat they sleep and all this and i bet you that does throw a huge factor that they get a safe haven i mean that that probably adds a lot more different like dexterity to your guys's hunting it does it does and and a lot of the you know a lot of other areas around the nation that you know the bodies in the, the bodies of water like colton said that are you know, big, they might be giant bodies of water, but a lot of them are owned by the Army Corps engineers. So they're owned by, you know, they're, they're public bodies of water and people can hunt. And here, that's not the case. And and that's why this, you know, our agricultural, our, our irrigation reservoirs here, most of our big reservoirs are not hunted. And that is, that is absolutely awesome for our resource. And that's why, um, in reality, our our water, you know, our goose hunting here is going to continue to stay good for years to come. I know it will. And there's there's still plenty of fields, and everybody's worried. They're like, "Oh man, you're losing fields left and right, and you know, you don't have a lot of a lot of fields left, you know, to hunt and everything." But the thing is, there's there's always that that stuff, that water that they can get on. And the biggest thing is too, is that a lot of people, you know, don't really realize this to, to boot. Well, a lot of guys do, but you know, geese honestly would rather graze than they would actually go into a cornfield if they can. And in those urban areas, there's huge blocks, whether it be a cemetery or a park or a whatever, there's huge blocks of, you know, football fields, whatever of turf. And these birds will will spend a lot of time on that turf feeding too. So that that's the other part of the equation. We we have a lot of that refuge area. 
So is there still biologists that are doing, you know, research on these birds and, and still trying to, you know, give a better benefit to them or, you know, the biologists are pretty much retired with, you know, the great influx of these birds and the, you know, the safe haven that they always have, or is there still research going on with this, basically the Canada bird that wasn't originated there? That's a good question. And I can first and foremost say that they obviously do research and, you know, they broadcast and take surveys to just see how many geese are coming and migrating. But as far as banding is concerned and tracking birds, it's not really existing around here anymore. They had a huge banding project actually on a golf course in town, which we can now hunt. Um, and this was, I mean, how many years ago would you say this was 20 years ago? years ago? Yeah, they, 20, 20 years ago, they had the banding project on this course where they banded a lot of geese, neck collared a lot of geese. And they actually found out that a lot of those big local Canada geese that they were banding in the springtime weren't leaving that golf course all year. And if they got shot, it was just right outside of that golf course. So they kind of got to the point to where with the local geese, they would stop banding them in the spring. And our migrant geese obviously go way far north of us, so into Alberta. So we don't get actually very many geese around here that are banded or they're tracked by, by biologists. It's actually been two years since we've shot a Canada goose band here with a client or on a fun hunt or anything, which is crazy to think about when you think about the sheer number of geese that we harvest here as a business every year, which is Beyond mind blowing to me. But. The crazy thing is, too, Levi. I, I know at one point in time, they, uh, I remember reading in a, like a Colorado Outdoors that the state of Colorado had traded, and I don't know the number off the top of my head. It seemed, for whatever reason, it seems like, and I could be wrong, but it seemed like it was, it was somewhere between 50 and 200, let's just say. I don't know exactly what that number was, but it was a pretty big number of Canada geese that they had cannon netted and caught. And they traded them to, I, I, I believe it was New Mexico, and they traded them for two river otters. They were like, we don't need <laughs> You know, and I was like, oh, well, we're trading them for otters now, you know. <laughs> so, We've got too many of them. We need a few more otters in our state. <laughs> that's where they're at now. It's like the amount of geese are, you know, it's not uncommon. And Fort Collins, Colton can tell you now that he lives on the west side of Fort Collins. It's not uncommon to be driving down a major thoroughfare in, in Fort Collins and have to stop while the, while the, the goose crossed. and the gosling walk across the highway. It's honestly, it's once a week. <laughs> they don't even fly. I'm convinced those geese in town, they don't even fly anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say, I would say shooting a band in your guys' scenario would be more rewarding than shooting a band or bands in you know, a plentiful area that is banning projects or a, a flight line that has a good, banning projects upwards or downwards of the the flight line like like when's the last time that you guys have harvested a bird or shot a bird that has a band on it um we have one specific field that we've shot two bands out of they're both we harvest both of them out of the same field that one specific year which was three years ago and both of them came from Yours came from none of it too, as well. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a it was on a lesser that yep. a, that a farm or one of our clients had shot. Yep, on a farm. Yep, ours too as well came from none of it Canada, um, which is cool to see. Obviously, those migratory geese. But as far as like a local goose band has been shot, we haven't shot one in years. I mean, but I can definitely tell you, there's a lot of bands on my dad's on my dad's. <laughs> he's got he's got a few years. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we used to have, like I said, like Colton then mentioned, you know, we had, a, they had a big banding program here and after they kind of realized that, Hey, these birds are really not leaving town much and they're not really, you know, you know, going across. Now, prior to that, we actually did, it was, this was kind of a funny story, Levi, you love this. So we had some clients in town from Utah and they were from the Salt Lake area and we had, which we get a lot of our clients from beings that Utah doesn't have many geese. It seems like, <laughs> yeah, you know, around that Salt Lake area, I know they, they banned a fair number of birds and this was really interesting so it was late in the season and we were hunting on a frozen we're hunting a water location it was a pond actually that we have a, a blind on that we hunt ducks on and it was frozen and we figured we could traffic the birds off there and sure enough here comes a single goose just comes bombing in you know just oh oh this comes bailing in there and the guy shoots his bird is a great big one it falls and it hits the ice and the legs are kicking in the air and we're like you've got to be kidding me it's banded the dog goes on the ice and retrieves it, brings it in. It was banded in Utah. Oh, I was waiting for that. The whole time you were saying that, I'm like, I'm waiting for Utah. <laughs> yeah, he was like, because we see more geese in one day in Colorado than we see all season in Utah. And I shoot a band and it's from my own state. <laughs> <laughs> that, bird, that group went home extra happy. Yeah, yeah, we don't get a lot of bands here, which is, with, you know, with the exception on the flip side of that, we do get a lot of duck bands. And we, have, bands. we have projects of biologists that band, and I want to say they do it every two years. They try and band the upwards of a thousand ducks now, whether that's redheads or mallards or whatever it may be, wigeons. They band them, and we have a, a city slash town called Walden, Colorado, which is in the mountains of Colorado. And all of our ducks, a lot of them that we get here during the fall time, they'll go back up there during the spring and nest just because there's a lot more water in the mountains in the springtime and they'll come back down in the fall and then we'll shoot a lot of bands from up there. I think last year we shot four mallard bands from there with the exception we shot two from New Mexico, which is really weird. And you can talk, kind of talk about that. Well, and we went to a, uh, we actually did go to a, it was a kind of a, a commissioner's meeting type of deal with, uh, they were, they're trying to regulate and, and, and change some of our uh, duck season dates. And so we went to a, went to a meeting on that and I got to, I did get a chance to talk to one of the biologists about the New Mexico bands. Cause that was the first ones we had ever shot mm-hmm. and they were actually not surprised at all <laughs> that we had shot New Mexico bands because they, they were kind of thinking that was what was happening, but a lot of those ducks that come from up in the, up in uh, North park will come down here on the front range. And they were kind of actually figuring that that's where a lot of those ducks would end up. And their final wintering place would be in New Mexico down near Bostel Apache and stuff like that. And so they weren't surprised that we had got some of those New Mexico bands, but it was kind of unusual for us that we would shoot some of those as well as, they figured instead of banding them in the springtime and where they nest, they banded them in the fall or winter time where their final de- final migration destination was, which was New Mexico, which is cool to see. So, I mean, if they ever do leave us, if it gets too cold, if the temperatures get too cold and our, our big waters body freeze, then they leave us and go to New Mexico, which is cool. And then they come back to us in the springtime and then head up, up to the mountains when it thaws up there. Yeah. You guys are so knowledgeable of your area and 
both of you, even Colton at a younger age and, and Jeff, you're at, at an older age. I mean, all this knowledge that you guys have, does it, does it give you an advantage during your guys' guide season in Colorado as front range? Oh, I don't know. That's kind of a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're at the end of the day, we're still hunting birds and yeah. they do whatever. They, <laughs> they really do. They really I do, do whatever. My husband's at the same time. It seems like right when you think you're going to go shoot them good, you have a big feed of geese or big feed of ducks. That's when you don't shoot them at all. So, yeah. so right when you think you got them, you don't. But um, I, it definitely allows us to be a little bit more consistent, you know, knowing where they're going day in, day out. My dad living here his whole entire life, me living here my whole entire life. It definitely allows us to predict patterns that they have for certain weather conditions. And the cool part is my mom's an accountant, so she runs all of our books for us and what she actually found is we started tracking every place we hunt, every bird we shoot every day of the season. Really? Um, so the cool part that she found is that you can actually predict where birds go, what farms are better for the different times of year, different weather conditions. Weather conditions and so, temperatures, yeah. Yep. It was funny because the best story that we have of this, you know, you can share it. Yeah, we had, she had, you know, at the end of each day, whenever we would fill out our paperwork, she would actually take that paperwork and she would log all that stuff on a spreadsheet. And at one point, I mean, I was honestly, I'll be honest with you, leave. I was lost. I mean, I've guide trip. <laughs> like I have no idea where to go. It, it had been tough. It was late in the year, frozen. It was brutal cold. It had been brutal cold. And my wife and and she just said, "Well, you should you should probably just go to Sanders." And I'm like, "What?" And she knows nothing about hunting. She knows nothing about. Hunting. <laughs> That's and the she best said, part. You should just go there. And I'm like, "Why would you say that?" And she said, "You guys always shoot them there when it's cold." And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, "You know what? It's not a bad idea." So without scouting, or no without scouting, no there. nothing. I didn't even. I just threw a dart, went down there, and we clobbered them. <laughs> Absolutely, you can track this stuff, and we're like, "No, wait a minute! I don't know if you can actually track <laughs> waterfowl on a day to day basis, but day to day basis." But I promise you, it definitely helps. It's it's very interesting. So that that kind of information happens, you know, helps us and it, it moving forward on a day to day basis too, as well. Just there's a lot of farms that we have. There's a couple farms that we know that we will shoot field ducks in late in the season in January, right towards the end of the season. It's just, it's That's just the same field. It's notorious. Year it's the same year. field year after year after year. We'll shoot field ducks there for whatever reason. And, and so we do have some of that stuff, but you know, in reality, like Colton said, you know, uh, they are birds and, and we can't predict them, you know, obviously, but, uh, there's only one person that knows that that's not you and I or Colton. It's, it's none of us, but mm -mm. you know, it is, it's fun to try. <laughs> it's, it, it sounds fun. like, it sounds like mom needs some of the tip money. If she, if she, uh, is doing all this <laughs> homework. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Not listening to this, she's listening to the bird and deep crap here. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I mean, at least she's being a team player. It's kind of cool that you guys are, you know, a family owned business and it's not just a whole bunch of yahoos that are just friends together. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. So, I mean, is there any any next step for front range or is it just, you know, you're going to keep figuring out birds and, and, and front range and just keep on expanding on that Colorado? So, um, 
obviously we want to build Colorado to the point to where we want to be as big as we possibly can in Colorado, but you can only grow so much here, especially with lease costs being more expensive than they ever have before within the state. It's getting harder and harder to gain more ground in Colorado. And that's just because of competition. Um, last year was our first, we ran a couple of trial hunts on a location that we have in Nebraska and it's mainly for duck hunting and specifically, but the duck hunting itself there is really cool. And it's, the ducks are plentiful. So we talked about how we think the duck population is moving further and further east from us and the goose population is moving further and further west. So we decided that we kind of wanted to take some of our experience and some of our knowledge that we had from hunting here and, you know, expand it and move it a little bit further east. Now, what it looks like, unfortunately, we don't really know as far as like a day or time or what that may look like for this fall. But I can tell you this much. I don't think that Colorado is going to be the only place for us. And we've always snow goose hunted in Nebraska. And that's our home for snow goose hunting. Our spring conservation season has always been held in Nebraska. And that'll be where we snow goose hunt you know, until the, the eternity of our business. So, yeah. So there, I guess the answer to that question is, um, there could be some stuff that's going, that's, that's in the works. Um, we, we are looking at some stuff out there. We do have one location that we've started the ball rolling on, um, potentially. And our goal would be like Colton says, is that we would like to move something out there. Um, we don't know really exactly you know, what that looks like at this point. But, um, in the end goal, we would, we would like to see some stuff like some lodging and, you know, some hospitality, um, here in Nebraska or in, in Nebraska and in Colorado, both. So that's, that's kind of what we're shooting for. So we're, we are not just going to stay stagnant and just sit, I guess, if that, does that kind of answer your question? It, I don't answers, know if we- it answers my question completely. And I just want to say to it is that expansion is excitement but it also takes time and I want to hear, it makes me happy hearing that from you guys because you guys are well-deserved and everything, but you need to do more (laughs) because I know you guys can handle it. Trust me. Well, we're, we're definitely trying and and we're trying to, you know, we're growing too. We, it's always the same, the same old saying, you know, you kind of have to walk before you run. Well, we've been walking for a while and, and, you know, Colton leans on me a lot. He he wants to, (laughs) he wants, wants to build it bigger he wants to do more and um and you know and that so all that all that stuff lends itself um with with him too kind of um sort of taking this business over in years to come so yeah there could be a lot of really exciting things coming up here for us and you know he calls me starting to call me peepops now and tell me you know i can't guide and everything else so you know I, i think i think uh a lot of exciting things underway don't let him fool you after guiding for 26 years he's definitely not one to just sit around and just watch people guide he wants to guide we we tell him (laughs) hey pops go sit in the office go scout go do whatever you do and he ends up going to taking guide trips well the funny funny thing is is he still does give me grief and these i'll tell you these guys that we've got and my guides i mean they're fantastic callers they're they're fantastic callers. They're, they're great goose hunters. They know how to set decoys. They know how to do the whole nine yards. And, um, and then every now and again, you know, I'll, I'll have to run a, I'll have to run a guide trip and, and Colton will say, 
you know, it's, it's funny. He'll get in and, and guys will be like, well, how'd your dad do? And he Colton will be like, Oh, he pulled 25 out of his butt somehow over there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I mean, I'll keep bringing up the story of me coming there and I want to expand on your guys' guides. Um, Colton and Owen and, and the two other fellow um, fellas. I mean, it was just, it, it, it felt like I was at home and I mean, for instance, like it was kind of like a buddy hunt, but also it was an overall hunt that was for something. And man, I, it just felt like, it felt like I was happy the whole time. And, and Colton knows we, we didn't shoot that much for geese, but I got, I was given an opportunity and everything that was, I'll remember forever. And it made it rememberable forever because of the people that were in that pit blind. You know what I mean? So that's why I always am excited for you guys on your guys' expansions because it, it would be hard to say that it, it's good that you guys are expanding if you y'all weren't ready, but you guys are definitely ready with the people that you guys have going with you. 100%. And that's our biggest thing is, you know, we obviously want to make it about the experience. Our days here in Colorado, they vary so much. When it gets cold here and, and the geese know that the ground is froze early in the morning, they won't feed a lot of times until two o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon. But you still have to go get out there and get set up at five, six a.m. because you never know, you know, when that morning is going to be when they go out early. But, you know, that makes a lot of time throughout the day if you're going to sit in the pit to create conversation and just share good memories with good friends. So that's what, you know, we've learned to do best and that's our favorite part about it. Mm. So what, what's like the, the, the most favorite thing that you guys enjoy about waking up and, and sending out clients to your guys's pit blinds? Like, I mean, as a, as a hunter, you know, it's, it's seeing those birds and react, but I know as guys, there's always, you know, you're not the one shooting sometimes. So what's, what's, what's your niche, you know? A hundred percent. And I, I think I can speak for the both of us when I say our niche is definitely when we get to take people on their first goose hunt or their first goose hunt in Colorado. It's their first time to Colorado. A lot of times or a lot of, a lot of out of state clients that we get, they haven't never hunted here and they get to experience something new and in a new location and getting to see a smile on their face just when they get to see the, the Rocky Mountains as the sun comes up in the morning or you know, shooting their first goose. It's definitely our favorite part about it here in Colorado. We can't legally shoot with our clients. So there's oh. not a single day. God, most, almost every single day through the whole entire season, our canned goose season is 104 days. And we are duck season doves and it's snow goose season on top of that, all that stuff. So we actually don't shoot throughout our Colorado season, which, you know, is kind of important. And that's what our clients like and enjoy coming to us for is because they know that at the end of the day, even if they miss every bird that came in, they got to shoot at all of them. Their their guide didn't, you know. Well, and there, there's a lot, you know. There is a lot of guide businesses around too that that do shoot right alongside with their clients, and and you know, and the the fact of the matter is, and we're all we all know this is that guys that guide and guys that have been in the business for a while, most of them can all they know their way around a shotgun. They can run a shotgun, and and one thing about it is, is that I can promise you this is that any client photo that you ever see, and you know, this, you know, I, I, I try, I think we really pride ourselves in this is that every photo that you ever see that we post, whether we post that on, on social media or whatever, every one of those that's on client run hunts as a client shot bird, those are client shot birds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, 
and there is a lot to be said about that because, you know, to be quite honest, I mean, a, a lot of clients that, you know, new clients that are going out on goose hunting like this, they don't shoot terribly well, you know, to be quite honest. And so when you look at our photos and all of our photos that we post with clients, there is no guide shot birds in any of those photos ever and there never will be we we pride ourselves with not taking a shotgun when we get a crippled goose on the ground you know it's it's not like i'll I'll, I'll just i'm just out there cleaning up cripples whatever da 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 no we we get a crippled goose that can fly before and we know that the the bird's going to be able to get up we're not going to be able to send the dog on it we got to get a client out and go shoot that bird Mm -hmm. you want them to do everything yeah and our number have been really really good through the years but i think with that being said here's what we really pride ourselves in is that there is a lot of photos with a lot of geese in there okay but here's the fact of the matter we try and get them super close mm-hmm. we want tight we want them to get them pinups for these people and i think that's what we what we have a tendency to do really well here is that we get those birds in and they're decoyed and they're right they're not taking long shots they're decoyed right and therefore they're going to be able to harvest more birds as well as if you see a picture that we post and we try and post most all the pictures that we do just because our clients you know obviously one appreciate that and two i think it just goes to showing a long ways of showing our honesty and such but um, every every photo that we uh, you ever see or post is a client shot bird, and sometimes there's six clients and they only have you know six or seven geese. But that could have been a really good hunt, you know. You never know. But I want to jump in on that. And on yeah. on your guys's Instagram, I've noticed that you know you got six people and only six geese. And I noticed one thing, one small factor is every person's face has a smile on it, even though they're only holding one bird. There's not many guide services that you get in photos from client birds only and everybody's got a smile on their face and they didn't shoot their full limit. You know, you, you can't tell them, all right, guys, put on a fake smile. You know what I mean? No, amen to that. And you know, and that's, that's really where it boils down to too, bud, is that, you know, there's on all these hunts like that, I, I promise you, I, we have had return clients that come back year after year after year. And that was one of the first things that they ever mentioned. They said, you want to know the most refreshing thing that we ever had the very first time we hunted with your guide service. We hunted in other states. We went to all these other places and hunted geese. And he said, the one thing that we noticed right away was your guides do not have a gun in the pit ever. And I said, yeah, we don't. And I said, you know, through division of regulatory agencies, we can legally not carry a gun and and not saying that there isn't guide services that do, but with us, we can't on top of that. I don't want to shoot their geese. Mm -hmm. We individual to shoot their own birds. And trust me at the end of the day, when you're not shooting their birds, I promise you, we can have a day. Some days where we shoot six geese and they're thrilled. Because they know 100% for a fact that they shot all six of those geese <laughs> with their group. When you go on a hunt with other guide services and they got two guides in there and they both have shotguns, trust me, there's a lot of times nobody knows who shot what. Mm-hmm. So 
that is something that we really try and we, we strive and we work really hard with that. And honestly, I think that's the reason that we've been very successful to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Man, it, it just, it blows me away each time that I hear, <laughs> hear you guys talk. Cause it, it just makes me feel like at this like home standard, you know, like I, I feel the same feelings that you guys have. And that's why, um, I've been waiting to have you guys on and, um, quite frankly, me and Owen talked about it on, on an episode of, you know, how, how we all first met and man, that, that wasn't a, a great experience, but I, I, that moment in my head when I was, you know, probably drunk out of my mind and I, I walked up to y'all, I didn't know that I would have, you know, such a core connection with you, y'all, you know what I mean? Well, we appreciate it too. And, 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 you know, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's good to, to know you and we, we appreciate the opportunity for, for you having us on here today too. I mean, we, we love to, to tell stories and we love to talk about history. Yeah. Sure. We like to talk about every, history. Every talk about history, right? They like to tell stories yeah, or right. tell something that they noticed in the past. They all like to talk about it. Yeah. Remember that time when we had that flock come in and we got all four of them and you're like, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I really remember that, <laughs> but you know what? That that's part of it, man. And, and all that stuff, it, it all makes memories and, and you know what? It, uh, it's, it's great, man. We, we appreciate you too. So, I mean, uh, Jeff, you, you're a pretty pronounced person when it comes to telling stories. Um, what, what, what's one of your number one stories in the history of your life of goose hunting? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Levi, you're talking about a story. Yeah, you got it. You got books of them, huh? <laughs> I, I, do I, I have I to do. get one, Jeff. So you gotta, you gotta pick one. I know you, you got a good one out there lot of them there i can tell you it, this was way back in the day i did have one where i actually i guided some astronauts and that's oh man that's a, that's a whole nother story in itself <laughs> i mean yeah. we that we'd have to take some time on that but I, I'm not, that'll be another time but okay but i will that of all the years goose hunting out of a pit i've only had this happen one time and as far as i know i don't know anybody ever that's had this happen. So we had a flock of geese and these are some really good clients of ours that come year after year after year. I've been hunting with them my entire business life. And I was actually hunting with them prior. That was one of those things that when I was, I was guiding for a former company, um, I'd guided them for years and years. And when I started my own business, that was something I didn't do was I didn't, I didn't go out and try and barter clients. I figured, you know what, I'm going to start my own business and I'm just going to let it just kind of come to me. And you know what? And, And I think God blessed us through that. But anyway, these clients came and found us again and started hunting with us. And we're in the pit and we have a flock that, they go and they make that final swing, you know, they swing way out and I go, get ready, boys. They're going to be on this side. Get ready, get ready right here on this end, coming from left to right in the front, you know? And I said, all right, guys, let's kill them right there. Up. They come out of the pit. And now you have to, you have to understand that two of these individuals were actually asked to shoot on the Olympic and one of them, the youngest one, he just won, um, well, it's the Worlds for college shooting out of, out of Colby, Kansas. He just wow. won that this past 
Uh, very, he's one very, of the best trap shooters yeah. in the nation for you know for the college sport. So these these were actually kind of unusual client. I mean, they can shoot when when you call the <laughs> shot. Happen, right? I mean, things happen. A lot of birds fall. I call, and these birds were beautiful. And man, they they're front and center. They actually were coming from left to right, and then just swung right into the pocket. And it was just a, I mean, just a backpedal breast shot in the front. They come up and they start shooting. And I mean, geese are they are hitting the ground, right? And when they they start shooting, the birds flare and they go straight up. It went vertical. And all of a sudden, I'm just kind of, when I call a shot a lot of times anyways, we always do that. We, we are at kill them in the front and we kind of bail in <laughs> and let them have it, you know, because we're not shooting. And they're shooting and all of a sudden I hear screaming and kind of craziness and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I look down the pit and this is not a joke. And I still have a photo to show this. I look and the one end of it, the one young guy that, that we were talking about this shot on the shot for the world college college. Team, world college team, he is standing there in the pit with a live Canada goose impaled on the barrel of his shotgun down God. to the fork. <laughs> this is not, I'm joking when I say that. And I actually posted this photo, Levi, and people accused me of photoshopping it. People said, that's not true. Da, da, da. <laughs> what happened was when these birds went vertical, he was, he was shooting at some lower geese and he'd killed one and he went up to shoot a goose that was flaring straight over the pit. When he swung his gun upwards, his dad or his brother, or one of the other ones had killed a goose straight over the pit. And when he swung his gun up, this bird fell vertically and impaled itself. It's it's not like he shot and stuck the gun barrel to yeah. the goose. Goose fell and fell on the gun. What the? F- <laughs> so he was holding the shotgun. I'm not joking when I say this. Holding the shotgun and the goose was flapping with its eyes open and alive, and we were like, what? What do we, what do, we do? What, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, we were all dumbfounded. We were just like, what? <laughs> True story. That's probably the wildest one I've ever, I mean, I, like I said, I could, like Colton says, I've got a middle Rolodex that we could roll for hours on stories over the, I mean, and, you know, not just 16 years of me guiding, but probably another 10 years prior to that. I've probably been guiding goose hunters for close to 30, almost 30 years. And and so, yeah, I've got some stories. I've got some crazy ones, but that was probably the most crazy, crazy. I had to hear I, I had to hear one for myself because we didn't we lacked of enough time when when I was over there in Colorado, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get one Jeff story because I, I, I just need to hear it. And, you know, obviously the viewers are going to love it too. <laughs> oh, my God. Got to get you back out here at some oh. point. You come listen and then uh, we can share more stories. I'm going to definitely come back one of these times and we're going to delegate an evening just to Jeff stories uh, per oh. Levi. <laughs> Pack lunch. <laughs> I, I do have one final question, and it would be, you know, what is the impact? And I'm gonna get a little, little soft here, but you know, a father and son, you know, it, it's got to be a, you know, a loving time, you know, you know, hunting and running a business together. What? Can speak on 
speak on it. You know, what, what's the, what's the benefits of, you know, you know, raising a child and then Colton yourself, you know, growing up and being able to take over the reins of a business that your dad has, you know, built for over the years, you know, that's gotta be just a, a story in itself. I will definitely be the first to say when I, and when, and I mean, this with my whole heart is one of the coolest things that a son could ever experience. And it is also one of the most challenging things that a son could ever experience. Mm -hmm. I want to trade it for the world. I I really want it. And I mean that with everything I have in my heart, but I mean, I'll be the first to say that as much as we are alike, you know, we have our differences and I've, you know, grew up hunting with my friends and kind of created my own hunting techniques and hunting style. And my dad has his hunting style that used to kill geese 26 years ago that still kills them today. And it, it not only challenges us to be different in our own ways and try each other's ways, but it just grows us closer and not only inside the business, but outside the business too, as well. It's definitely, definitely something special. It does, it does dude. And it, you know, to be honest, I mean, there's always that part that you go, you know, we got to pretend for a minute that, you know, that we are in a business together. So it, it's hard with me being the boss still. Okay. But there's a lot of times when I have to figure out the times when, when it's been a tough day for Colton, when he's been out there and it's been 12 degrees and, and he's been out there all stinking day and he's got clients and he calls the shot and they're, they're front and center backpedaling at 10 yards and in front of the pit. And, um, you know, they, four guys come out of the pit and they kill one goose, you know, and there, there has, there's times when I have to learn to be a dad and not a boss, but I can tell you this, the entire thing, the entire legacy thing that, that we have been trying to build and work on dude, it, it, it honestly, it couldn't be any more special. And it's, it's quite honestly, it's brought us closer. Like Colton said, we're going to have times where we struggle. We're going to have times where we disagree. And there's times when we have to, we have times when we're, we have to agree to disagree, but here's where I can tell you this is that, um, man, I, I honestly, I just, I, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that are going to listen to that question and y'all's answer and they would trade, you know, maybe a scenario of their own to get into the opportunity that you guys have. And it, it's not something that you that a person can just navigate towards because there's a lot of years between you and Colton, you know, starting this or not starting this, but evolving, you know, this guide, this guide friendship basically. And obviously there's, there's a lot of hate and a lot of love that goes into it, but th- that comes with anything. If you, if you don't have hate and love, you're not really building anything. You know I mean? There's, there's hardships to anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does come with hardship, but the biggest thing is, is at the end of the day, we're still father, son, and we still are. The end goal is the same mm-hmm. end goal. Same, and, and if, and if we can, if we can do that and we can somehow, you know, run a business and be successful at it, glorify God at the same time and all that to boot, how can you go wrong? You cannot go wrong. And I feel wrong for, for wrapping up this podcast, but we could talk for, for hours. It seems like, you know, starting with the history of you guys' guide service and then diving into the history of, of Colorado in itself. I mean, that's, it, 
it was an amazing time talking to y'all and it was, and I really look forward to not, I don't wish I look forward to um, coming back y'all's way. I mean, it, it's going to blow me away each time that I get to come hang out with you guys. Well, we'd, we'd love to have you and we're looking forward to it as well, my friend. Well, you, you guys have a good rest of your night. And uh, like I said, can't look, I can't wait to come see y'all. So us too, brother. We'll see you soon. All right. Yeah. T- 